Think about this. What's been a constant for you in life? Some people would say the only constant that they've had is, is change. I mean, we're, <laughs> we're experiencing that even today with the unknown of weather in Texas, that good old statement, if you don't like the weather in Texas, wait 30 minutes, right? And as we've looked at this all uh, week, is it coming, is it not coming, when's it coming? We, we see all kinds of things that upset us. Well, how do we stay constant then? And, of course, you take it bigger than that, you think about life, if you've lived any life as an adult, you've probably had some desires, some plans, some things that you thought would work out in a certain way, and maybe they didn't work out that way, and you find yourself in a place today, and you can look back on a journey to say how you got here may not have been the path that you thought you were taking to get here. And that's a little bit of what we've been seeing as we've looked at the book of Daniel so far in just the first four chapters, and of course today we're going to look a little bit into chapter 5, but what we've seen is we've seen Daniel and his friends taken into captivity, taken out of their land, into Babylon, put in service for King Nebuchadnezzar, and they go through this time with Nebuchadnezzar, and they make a commitment to God to stay faithful to him, and in the midst of that it puts them at odds with the king and his decrees at times, and yet we see these miraculous stories of God's rescue and of, of God's work and God's hand in their lives. And then we see this incredible statement last week made by Nebuchadnezzar where over, over a 35-year span and him being in, in the presence of Daniel and, and his friends along with his other advisors but seeing God's hand on them and the evidence of the fruit of their lives that happened for so long that he finally comes to make a statement where he, he confesses that the God is God, the, the most high God is God, the one that Daniel and his friends worship, that's, that's the Lord. A pretty amazing statement. And even at the end of that statement in chapter 4, you know, he, he reminds the, the people that all of God's works are true and his ways are just and he's able to humble people that walk in pride. So that's that's where we kind of end chapter 4 of all this up and down and, and this confession by Nebuchadnezzar. And, and, and we see all of this change and all this turmoil and all these things that are happening in this time. But there's one thing that stands out, and that is the consistent faith of Daniel. Now, again, I've reminded us over and over in this series, this book is it's not a book about Daniel, even though it has his name on it. It's a book about God and his faithfulness. But what we need to understand from the example of Daniel and from the stories that we've seen is that faith in God is my constant in the ever-changing world. That's one of the things that we get to see in this is that though we're going to face life and things are going to be up and down and sideways and unknown at times, the constant that we can have is the faith that we can have in God. We can live our lives in such a way that no matter what happens around us and the circumstances around us, we can know that God is always at work and that God is working in our lives and that my faith in him can be a rock and a foundation for me to live, even if I find myself in a situation I don't even want to be in, much like Daniel and his friends. And so here we have Daniel in chapter 5, kind of in the same place that he's been. After decades of faithfulness to God, it's paid off in some ways, but not in a way that would bring him back to his homeland. 
And so as we jump into Daniel chapter 5, the purpose of this book is not to give a history lesson on Babylon or the Persians or the Medes or things like that. It's supposed to be an encouragement for God's people and the sovereignty of God. But but something that you need to know about this is when we get into chapter 5, the timing of this is roughly 20 years after Nebuchadnezzar, maybe a little bit more. And in that time, Babylon had gone through a few kings and had a lot of turnover and turmoil. And, and Babylon was actually beginning to implode on itself. And, and things were beginning to happen that started to show some cracks in this great kingdom that was built. That remember, at the first of the book of Daniel, it was built because God allowed it to happen. God was the one that was allowing this kingdom to come into power. But now something's beginning to happen and it's beginning to crumble. And actually, enemies were lining up outside of Babylon. And so the next in command after all these kings was Belshazzar. And so Belshazzar decides that while his enemies are plotting against him, he's going to throw a big feast. He's just going to kind of ignore the things that are going on. He's trying to, to build the morale of the people. He's, he's trying to, to do something that just draws the attention away. And so he, he does this feast. And in this feast, he kind of has a little too much going on. And, and in that moment, as he's in there with all of his leaders, he finds himself putting himself, put himself in this place where he doesn't want to be. He pulls the things out that Nebuchadnezzar had captured from the temple of God, and he begins in the feast to use these things for their eating and for their drinking, and he, he basically mocks the things of God. He takes the things of God, and, and he disgraces them. And in that moment, all of a sudden, we see this hand appear. And so you've ever heard that phrase, the writing's on the wall. Well, this is where it's coming from. This hand appears out of nowhere and begins to write onto the wall in the midst of this party. And the whole party just shuts down, obviously. And we get a picture of Belshazzar, the king, in charge at the time. And where he, his knees are knocking together, it says, and his face turned pale and he's terrified of what's going on and they look at this hand that writes on the wall and then the message that's left nobody can interpret and so here we have another situation that we've seen a couple of times in the book of Daniel already there's something that's going on that we don't understand that we can't interpret and so this time unlike Nebuchadnezzar who threatened to destroy everyone who wouldn't help him be able to interpret this thing Belshazzar says, I'll make whoever can tell me what this says on the wall the third highest command in Babylon. And that's where we pick up this story. So Daniel comes in, and in verse 17, Daniel answers the king, you may keep your gifts, you may give your rewards to someone else. However, I will read the inscription for the king and make the interpretation known to him. Your majesty, the most high God gave sovereignty. Who did it? God. God gave sovereignty, greatness, glory, and majesty to your predecessor, Nebuchadnezzar. Because of the greatness he gave him, all peoples, nations, and languages were terrified and fearful of him. He killed anyone he wanted. He kept alive anyone he wanted. He exalted anyone he wanted, and he humbled anyone he wanted. But when his heart was exalted and his spirit became arrogant, he was deposed from his royal throne and his glory was taken from him. 
He was driven away from people. His mind was like an animal's. He lived with the wild donkeys and he was fed grass like cattle. And his body was drenched with dew from the sky until he acknowledged that the Most High God is ruler over human kingdoms and sets anyone he wants over them. But you, his successor, Belshazzar, have not humbled your heart, even though you knew all this. Instead, you've exalted yourself against the Lord of the heavens. The vessels from his house were brought to you, and you and your nobles, wives, and concubines drank wine from them. You praised the gods made of silver and gold, bronze, iron, wood, and stone, which you do not see, hear, or understand. But you have not glorified the God who holds your life breath in his hands and who controls the whole course of your life. Therefore, he sent this hand, and this writing was inscribed. And Daniel goes on at that time to interpret the inscription. He says, this is the writing that was inscribed. Mene, mene, tekel, parson. This is the meaning of the, inter- this is the interpretation of the message. Mene means God has numbered the days of your kingdom and brought it to an end. Tekel means you have been weighed on the balance and found deficient. Perez means your kingdom has been divided and given to the Medes and the Persians. And then Belshazzar gave an order. They clothed Daniel in purple, placed a gold chain around his neck, issued a proclamation concerning him that he should be the third ruler in all the kingdom. That very night, Belshazzar, the king of the Chaldeans, was killed, and Darius the Mede received the kingdom at the age of 62. So here's this story again where we see Daniel's able to interpret. But what's interesting is he's made third highest in command, but he told the king, you can, you can keep it all. You, know, you want to know why I, thought, why I think Daniel told him you could keep it all? Because Daniel could read the writing on the wall. This is going to be a pretty worthless gift because after you give it to me, you're not going to be in charge anymore. You know, so many times we pursue things that we think are so important, and in essence, we, we gain them just to find out that they're not important anymore. That's just a side note. That's a freebie for us on things that we pursue so hard in this life. But ultimately, the only thing that's going to matter in our life is our faithfulness to God. And this, this is where Daniel comes again. Daniel stands before the king and boldly professes that the reason that all this is going on is because you have profaned the name of God. You've ignored the evidence of the past. You've ignored the words of God. God humbled the most powerful ruler this nation has ever seen. And you have ignored all this. And you've even taken it to a new level and mocked God. We need to understand. Galatians chapter 6 tells us very plainly, don't be deceived. God is not Mocked. For whatever a person sows, he will also reap, because the one who sows to his flesh will reap destruction from the flesh. But the one who sows to the Spirit will reap eternal life from the Spirit. Let us not get tired of doing good, for we will reap at the proper time if we don't give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us work for the good of all, especially those who belong to the household of faith. You know, Paul writes those words, and he knew the stories that Daniel had, had written down. He knew the stories that came from this book. And he's able to write those words with confidence. Don't be deceived. God's not going to be mocked. We don't need to tire in doing good. Don't grow weary of following the commands 
of God. Because we reap what we sow. You know, even in forgiveness, don't we understand that even in, in times of forgiveness, we can still face consequences? There are still consequences to every action, to every word, to, ev to everything that we do. Even though we can be forgiven, there's still things there that, uh, that happen in life. And, and don't mistake that and lose hope. And why do I point that out? Because sometimes we think that, well, if I can just, if I can just be forgiven, then everything's going to be right. And then when things still have consequences to, him, to them, sometimes as followers of Christ, we go, I didn't think that's how it was going to work out. And we lose hope and we lose faith in the word of God. And we go, well, apparently God's word isn't working like I thought it should work. And we kind of move away from that. Don't give up on doing good. Don't grow weary of following the commands of God. Here's what we need to understand as well. I, I keep trying to point this out because we can read just a few pages and we could cover 40, 50 years and even more in Scripture. I can condense this story and try to tell you all about it, but, but we, we see this span of 20 to 30 years and all these things that are happening in this kingdom that brings it to this, to this ruin. And yet we live in this world where we want things to happen immediately. We want to see results happen right now. We want, we want things to be resolved at this moment. And God's saying, you know, sometimes things just take time. And it's one of the things about God being in charge is that he's working on his timetable, not ours. And so we need to have faithfulness to realize that we can hold on to the things of God and continue to, to trust and follow him. And, and there's, there's just a phrase that has helped me so much in life, and it's this, time will prove wisdom right. Time will prove wisdom right. You ever tried to, you ever tried to convince somebody of something that you absolutely knew was true, and they just weren't going to hear it? They're, they're just not going to hear it. They, and we, maybe we make the phrase, they're going to have to figure it out for themselves, or they're going to have to walk their own road on this. And you come back to this phrase, time will prove wisdom right. Well, time continues to prove God right over and over and over and over and over in the book of Daniel. No matter what king was in charge, God was right. No matter what situation was going on, God was right. God's words were right. God's instructions were right. The faithfulness of Daniel kept pointing people in the right direction. And so we need to hold on to these things. So what are some things we can remember to hold on to these things and to remain faithfulness? Well, the first one should be pretty obvious. God's words are true. God's words are true. Now, I, honestly, I think it may be easier for us if we had more moments like happened right here in Daniel chapter 5, where Daniel stands in front of the king and proclaims, hey, God's passed judgment on you, and that night the kingdom's taken from him, and we go, whoa, that, that was easy to see that God's word was true. But God's word also tells us stories of people who lived a lifetime of faithfulness, and it was generations later that that proved to be the seeds planted to grow the things that God needed to happen in this world. You know, I just pray that we would be willing to have that type of faithfulness. That we would have that faithfulness where we trust in God so much and we trust in his word so much that we learn to not look at results 
in the way that we think success should happen, but only look to saying, God, am I honoring you in this? Am I giving you my all? And is what you want to be happening going to happen in my life? That's it. You know, honestly, I, I think there's a precedent in Scripture where we should be able to live our lives in such a way that we're not even seen. And, and that's to say that we should live in such a way where the only thing that's seen is God's glory and God's work. I'm so thankful that God uses us and invites us into his work because it's such a joy to be able to be a part of that at times. But sometimes we can get to looking at ourselves and go, I'm pretty good at this. And we lose focus on what's going on with what God wants to do. And time will prove wisdom right. When we remain faithful to God and we remain faithful to his word, we begin to see over and over and over his words are true. And this is something I've said before, this phrase. I've come to a place in life that I'm beginning to be able to preach more of the things that I know rather than just the things that I believe. Because I've lived the life now to be able to see some of the fruit of God's word come true. And so I can stand before you today and say that God's words are true. And when we give ourselves to him and follow him, then they will prove themselves to be true in his time. So don't lose faith. Don't lose hope in trusting God's word completely. In Revelation chapter 22, Starting in verse 6, it says, Then he said to me, These words are faithful and true. The Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets, has sent his angel to show his servants what must soon take place. Look, I am coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. Don't lose heart. God's words are true. And we live in a hope A hope of a restored creation where God himself returns and restores all things to himself. And every day that goes by and that doesn't happen, sometimes we lose hope in that. But we shouldn't because God's words are true. And his patience in his return is to give us more time to live for him and share his word with others. So don't give up on that hope. God's words are true. And there's something else that stands out in this story to me, and that's this, that ignoring is ignorant. You put it that way just so you can remember it a little bit better, but ignoring is ignorant. If we choose to ignore the word of God, that's foolish on our part. If we choose to ignore the things that are happening around us, that's foolish on our part. Or to put it this way, if we choose to ignore the handwriting on the wall, then that's foolish on our part. It's leading us to ignorance. So here the Babylonians have allowed their success to actually become their weakness. They got complacent. They didn't heed the instruction of the former king, the greatest king that they had ever had. The one who had the most success was the one who said, I was humbled to nothing, and you need to understand that the Most High, that is God. And now they're just ignoring this 20 years later. They're ignoring the evidence that they had witnessed because obviously there were still some people around who had seen the things that had happened in the times of Daniel and Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego, things that they had witnessed in person. All these things were just now kind of blending into the past and being ignored in their life. 
And then when issues began to arise, instead of going to the Most High or instead of going to the wise, they relied on their own wisdom. And they didn't seek God. Even to the point that they just wanted to act like their problems didn't exist. Or maybe they said this phrase. Tell me if you've ever heard this. Well, that's just how it is. It's just how it is with everyone. It's just, it's just part of, you know, it's just part of being in Babylon. Well, it's just part of this. You, you know often that we miss the things of God because if we're honest with ourselves, we're just too comfortable in our own dysfunction. We don't have the faith at times to say, God, help me and show me that there's life beyond what I've kind of fixed and, and duct taped together in my life. And I've just become comfortable with this. And so this is good enough. And we can't see that there actually might be something better than that in our life. And sometimes even if we do think that there's something better in life, when we come to God's word, sometimes we lack the boldness to actually follow his word. And so I say that today to challenge us, but maybe to 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 help us say, okay, if I truly believe that God's word is true and I truly believe that God's word will lead me to life, then what areas of my life do I need to lay down to his lordship and say, God, we're going to do this your way from now on. And and we're going to no longer ignore your word and I'm going to no longer ignore this situation that's going on. I'm just going to place it in front of you. And I'm going to allow your word to speak into this. And I'm going to start living life the way that your word tells me to live. Because I don't want to be foolish and ignore your word or ignore these situations. I want to bring it to you, God, because I know you can do something about it. Let me just read these scriptures to you and listen to God's word speak into this. Proverbs 8.33, listen to instruction and be wise. Don't ignore it. Proverbs 19.20, listen to counsel and receive instruction so that you may be wise later in life. Proverbs 23.12, apply yourself to discipline and listen to words of knowledge. Apply yourself to discipline and listen to words of knowledge. Psalm 78.1, my people, hear my instruction Listen to the words from my mouth. This is what God says over and over. (laughs) And I'll just say this again. I think the reason Daniel was uninterested in anything the king had to say is because he'd seen the way he'd lived his life. He's looking at the writing on the wall going, you can give me the whole kingdom. And it's not going to matter by the time we all wake up in the morning because the handwriting on the wall is here about this. You know, sometimes, if I can just take a little liberty with this, sometimes those outside voices that God puts into our life that we may not want to listen to, we may not want to hear, we might not want to reward them with gold, uh, with gold chains and with purple robes at the time, but sometimes they have that voice of truth that we need to learn to humble ourselves and listen to and point us back to God's Word. Anytime that God puts people in our life that point us to His Word, not their experience, not their past, not their knowledge, not their education, but God's word. Those are people we need to listen to. Those are the wise. And that's what Daniel did. He stood up and he professed the things of God. He spoke the words of God. And then Belshazzar had to do what he did, which was just lay the kingdom down because God had already taken it from him. That's why kind of wrap this up today with this thought. 
I should live in awesome reverence toward God. Now, it may be a phrase that doesn't just roll off of your tongue, but I would encourage you to circle that, write it down, maybe put it on a note somewhere where you can see every day. I should live in awesome reverence toward God. What does that mean? That means I should continually be in awe of the things that God is doing. So much so that I begin to expect God to be awesome. I expect God to do something in such a way that just blows me away. I expect God to work in a way that I haven't thought of, that I would never think of, and he would show me a path to life in an area where I didn't think that there could be life. And in this reverence, revering God, respecting God, humbling ourselves, not mocking God, not ignoring God, but trusting his word, an awesome reverence. That's my goal, to live in awesome reverence toward God. Once again, this book is not about Daniel. It's about God. And it's God demonstrating things to us so that we can know him and so that we can follow him and so that we can find life. And we need to understand that God is offering himself to us daily if we will choose to follow him. And so the psalmist puts it this way. So now, kings, be wise. Receive instruction, you judges of the earth. Serve the Lord with reverential awe and rejoice with trembling. And then ultimately, as I've said, when we follow God's word, it leads us to life. It may be hard to make that adjustment from our comfortable dysfunction in life to follow the path to life that God can lead us to. It may require discipline. It may require change. But it will be worth it every step of the way if we will trust and follow God. And his word reminds us how happy is everyone who fears the Lord and who walks in his ways. God wants us to have life. He demonstrates that he's in control over and over and over. There's no situation that you're facing that God is beyond being with you through, seeing you through, walking you through, helping you through, whatever it is that you need to bring to him. God will lead you to life if you will trust his word and follow him. And again, wisdom is proven right with time. Trust him not just once, but trust him every day. Lean on him and see him begin to work. And then, as we're now 55 years into this story, imagine what you'll be able to say about how you've seen God work over five decades. Can you imagine that? God, I saw him do this. I saw him move in this way. I saw these things happen. And as we remain faithful, we begin to see that more and more and more and more in our life. So I pray that you find life in following God's word and trusting him and in giving him your all. I want to invite you to pray with me.